0: Come, Holy Spirit, come. Come as the fire and burn. Come as the wind and cleanse. Come as the light and reveal. Show us our sin. Turn us around. Set us apart until we are wholly yours. Amen. Well, we have a lot of people uh, l- leading worship in various ways, but I especially want to uh, uh, recognize and, and welcome our guest harpist today, Kim Meyer. Welcome. Uh, this morning's message is part two of a two-part series called Worship Like You're Already in Heaven. And as I've been saying before, we are drawing from the book of Revelation. Uh, Bible scholar Tom Wright, he publishes under the name, the initials, N.T. Wright. Um, He tells about a time when he was about to process in with a bunch of his uh, Anglican clergy colleagues into this cathedral for a big special service. And the clergyman beside him was looking down at the bulletin and looked up and smiled. And said, oh, I see that we're reading Revelation 4 today. He said that's one of the that's one of the two most wonderful chapters in the Bible. Well, Tom Wright standing next to him took the bait and said, "What's the other chapter?" And his colleague smiled even more broadly and said, "Revelation 5, of course." Well I came across that story uh, some months ago and it inspired me to spend more time personally in chapters 4 and 5 of Revelation and then I felt the urging of the Spirit to uh, to spend to devote two Sundays here at Faith Westwood on them. And last week we read Revelation 4, today we're in Revelation chapter 5. Uh, and I would also recognize that some of you may be here today, guess whatever, and maybe you, maybe you don't believe in God or you're not sure if you believe in God or what you believe in God. And I just want to say how, how honored we are that you're here. I think that's a kind of a difficult thing to do. And, and, you know, I recognize that you're on a quest for truth. And I want, we're on the same quest. And, and hopefully we can help each other uh, along that. But and of course, uh, the book of Revelation is a strange book to read. I don't know if you've uh, all ever tried to read it before. There's the there's the it's got different creatures. There's the the beast or a couple of them, and the harlot and the dragon. And and maybe someday we'll kind of decipher those and and work through that. But today our focus is on learning to worship, learning to worship. And first, I want to clarify something that. I, I sort of did a little bit with the, with the children here, but heaven is not the old, our ultimate destination, right? Heaven is where we go when we die, but our ultimate destination is going to be this renewed earth and renewed heaven that God brings together. They're merged together, and there is the new Jerusalem, the holy city, and that's where we will be given our resurrection bodies, That's our destination. But for now, we live in a spiritual war zone. Right? We live in a spiritual war zone. And our problem is that as humans, we love to worship the wrong things. And if you're worshiping something that is not God, you know what that is? It's called idolatry. Last week, I googled, and uh, when I was preparing, I googled images uh, for "goop" for I- idol. What came up? A whole bunch of pictures from the TV show <laughs> American Idol. So I refined my search for ancient Middle Eastern idols of Baal, and here's what popped up. Uh, back in ancient times, uh, you know, communities would have their big idols, you know, for the whole town, but then in your house, you would have another little idol. A little idol, and uh, in their homes, and 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 they bow to it and pray to it. Uh, But you know, we think, hey, that was a long time ago. You know, I mean, we don't bow to little golden guys. uh, You know, we're this is the 21st century. We're modern people. And yet, there are many ways to practice idolatry. Speaking of football. Is anybody excited? I mean, you know, I, I'm a lifelong Nebraskan and, I, and uh, I always root for the Huskers. And it's always an exciting thing when, you're, when your team gets a new head coach. Uh, unfortunately, that's an excitement we've kind of gotten used to around here. Uh, it's been a couple of years since I actually been to a football game, but whenever I do, and it's always fun. I, I enjoy it. And, and yet, yeah, I, I, I often have a moment sitting there in the bleachers. And it makes me a little sad because I start to wonder how many of these 90,000 people have nothing bigger to live for than this. I wonder how many, for how many of them is this the most important thing in their lives. When your favorite team becomes your source of meaning and identity, It's an idol. When football becomes the center, the focal point of your life, it's an idol. Now that I've made three-fourths of you uncomfortable, (laughs) I might as well keep going, right? Nobody I've ever met actually says that they're greedy. Even if they are, no, no one ever thinks of themselves in those terms. Nobody's aware when, their gain has, when gain has become their God. But it happens, and it happens to rich and poor alike. When money is your measure of success, what's really valuable and important, when, when wealth is your source of peace and security, It's an idol. And don't get me wrong, I hope that you are financially prosperous. I hope your business thrives. I hope you get a big fat raise this year and a bonus besides. The question is, what's your relationship with money? When you're unable to let go of it except to benefit yourself and your family, It's an idol. When when you're not giving freely and generously to bless others, maybe we're bowing down to the little golden guy. Now that I've stepped on everyone's toes, I might as well keep going. Let's talk about politics. I'm fearless today, aren't I? I tell you. (laughs) If, If God our Creator and Jesus our Savior is the means by which you You know, you live this life, you understand this world and and understand what's real and true, then you are worshiping God. But if your view of reality is constantly filtered through a political agenda, watch out. You might be heading in a path that's not going to get you where you need to go. You know, I am glad that here at Faith Westwood, we have Republicans and Democrats. We probably have independents and libertarians as well. I really don't care. Really, I don't care. What I do care about is when your politics becomes the lens by which you see everything. When you, see, uh, when you feed yourself a heavy daily dose of politically skewed news, let me tell you, it's going to have an effect on your life. You're going to get angry a lot. You're going to find it hard to love people you disagree with. You're going to find yourself posting rude, insulting comments on social media. Watch out. Is it becoming an idol for you? What other idols do people worship? Maybe you worship sex. Or feel addicted to it. Maybe you, de- maybe you live for the, des- the desire of others and to be alluring to others. Maybe you live for fame uh, or golf. Or, or your kids' sports. Or, or all those apps on your phone. You know, sometimes churches worship their buildings. Whatever's the ultimate thing for you, whatever it is that you pour your life into, that's what you worship. And you know, they may not be bad things, but they're not worthy of worship. And besides all that, idolatry is what's destroying this world. It destroys lives. It destroys families. It's just destroying people everywhere. The idol of greed oppresses people and turns them into objects, into slaves. The idol of power dominates people and controls them with fear. Idols like these lead to human trafficking and sex trafficking and drug trafficking and all the other kinds of trafficking. Fortunately, there is one who still loves us. God still loves us, and he is not about to let those things have the last word. He has a plan to rescue us. So I'm going to ask if you would, to open your Bible to Revelation chapter 5. Uh, If you're using the Pew Bibles on page 1240, and I always like to say, if you don't have a Bible at, at home to read, then today's your day. You can take that Pew Bible home, you can have it, you can keep it. You might even want to read Revelation 4 and 5 when you get home. Now, setting the stage, in chapter 4, a man named John has a vision. He's transported uh, to heaven. He sees God seated on the throne, surrounded by the four living creatures and the 24 elders. Who are they? Four living creatures represent all of God's good creation. The 24 elders represent God's faithful people from Old and New Testaments. So now let's go to Revelation 5, verse 1. John says, then i saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll with with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals so god is on the throne holding this scroll of paper where is the scroll it's in god's right hand what does that mean god's right hand means action did you know that it, the Bible says that by his right hand, God delivered Israel from slavery in Egypt. By his right hand, he sustains his people against their enemies. God's right hand represents his strong, saving help. So the scroll in God's right hand is his plan to rescue us. And it's perfectly sealed with seven seals And it's waiting to be opened. Let's go to verse 2. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, Who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? A little background here. From the beginning of creation, God has always worked through humans. I mean, that was His plan all along. God made us male and female. which says we were created in God's image, and our job is to represent God in this world. We are called to be God's priests on this planet, for this planet. But we haven't done it very well. We have failed. Instead of being faithful priests, we as a human race have chased after lesser gods, So none of us is worthy to open the scroll of God's saving plan because we're the ones who need saving. That's what it says in verses 3 and 4. But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside it. I wept and wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside Fortunately, that's not the end of the story. Wouldn't it be tragic if the book of Revelation ended right there? In verse 5, John says, Then one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. See, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the Root of David, has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. Now, I want you to know that the lion was like a mascot for the tribe of Judah in Israel. And the great King David, a thousand years earlier, was from the tribe of Judah. Uh, and it was promised to him that, that uh, his throne, his dynasty, would last forever. And so the prophecies came that the Messiah would come from the tribe of Judah. And so John hears that this Lion of Judah is about to come and open the scrolls. That's what he hears, but not what he sees. Verse 6 begins, Then I saw a lamb, looking as if it had been slain, standing at the center of the throne. Is it hard to imagine a weaker image than this? Of a lamb, who looks as if it had been slain. So the the lion, the champion, is also the lamb, where, bearing the wounds of death. And John knows, and we know, this is Jesus. He is the lamb who has won the victory by laying down his life. So here's the lion lamb Jesus, center stage. Surrounded by the living creatures and the elders, the lamb's uh, seven horns represent his, the fullness of his power and authority. And the seven eyes represent the fullness of the Holy Spirit within him. Verse 7 says, He went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. By laying down his sinless life, Jesus has proven that he he has proven his love and righteousness. He has proven that he is worthy to open it. As he's handed the scroll, the living creatures and the elders fall down before him. And verse 8 says, each of them has a harp. So they are taking their glorious song to a higher level. And, and as Vicki said earlier, they hold their incense bowls, um, which, which represent our prayers, our, our cries to God to, to save us, to deliver us. And in verse 9 it says they sing a new song. The, the, the praise that is due the one who sits on the throne is now also given to the Lamb. So, we're going to put Verse 9 here up on the screen, and uh, I'll give the lead-in portion, and then we'll all say this, this praise and glory together, shall we? And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals, because you were slain, and with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. Now, maybe some of you are aware of this, but uh, blood in the Bible is often a symbol for a sacrificed life, right? I mean, There's nothing magic about hemoglobin. It's, it's, it's a symbol for a sacrificed life. And it's by Jesus' sacrificed life that we are returned to God. And verse 10 praises Jesus for what he has accomplished. It says, you, the, the angels, excuse me, the elders and the creatures say, you have made them, meaning us, to be, a kingdom of, to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on earth. It's like we are restored to what we were originally meant to be from, the, from creation. We are set free from idolatry. We are restored to be God's priests, God's representatives on the earth. And so that's the praise of the, the elders and the four living creatures, and the living creatures. Uh, they're, they're singing their harps, excuse, me, singing their songs and playing their harps. And you know, this was sort of like the ultimate instrument instrument back in the day, you know? This was like the ultimate worship band. You know, 29 of them just jamming, singing. And then so you've got this scene with the 24 elders and the four living creatures around the, the God and the Lamb. And and they're and they're rocking it out in praising and in worshiping God. And then it's like a curtain around them, around the perimeter, rises. And and as as that, that, that curtain rises, John sees a throng of angels more than he can even imagine. he he he, he so he calls it ten thousand times ten thousand. And if we take that number as our guide, it would be more than a thousand memorial stadiums full of angels. Does that help at all? And and they they pour out their sevenfold blessing on Jesus. It it shows what Jesus has demonstrated and what he has earned through his sacrifice. So, here it is. Let's, Let's join the angels' song now, shall we? In a loud voice they were saying... Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. And just when you think that's that's gotta be the biggest, that's gotta be the biggest praise service I've ever been in. Surrounded by a hundred million angels, all glorifying Jesus the Lamb then the curtain perimeter around them rises as well. And it just, I mean, I can just imagine John being freaked out. And as that curtain rises, it reveals uh, all of the creatures of the earth. Elephants and butterflies, whales and monkeys, eagles and little clownfish. I can imagine the panda bears dancing, because I don't think they make any sound, do they? I'm not really sure. And, and, and I, can hear the, I can see the, the sea lions, you know, clapping their flippers and yelping like they do. And if we take our cue from the book of Psalms, that praise of creation also comes from the trees and the mountains, the skies and the rivers, the earth and the sun and the moon and the stars. They add their voices because God and the Lamb have set them free, have set them free from bondage. So I'm going to ask you to stand with me, will you? Let's stand and join creation's song from verse 13. To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. You economic powers that have exploited people, so many people for so long, you will not have the last word. And you political powers that have dominated people and crushed them for so many for so long, your days are numbered. And in the meantime, We who belong to Jesus are called to be like Him. Our our seeming weakness sometimes emboldens the powers of darkness to intensify their evil domination. The only power we have is the power of the Lamb, the power of love and self-sacrifice, the power of the Word of God. And in the end, our love and self-sacrifice and our faithfulness to the Word will be part of that victory over evil. And in the last, the destroyers of the earth will be destroyed in the judgment of God. And on that day, all of God's creation will rejoice we will be set free and we will raise our voices in their unending song. Let's say it together and if you feel comfortable, I invite you to raise a hand of praise with me. To Him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. Amen. And now, we're going to be led in a song, and I hope that you'll hear in this song the echo of heaven, the echo of praise as we join in that song to the Holy God and the Lamb who is worthy.